Friday the 13th of August and you're listening to episode 29 of Reds Unrestricted. The new Premier League season starts today and this is our preview show. We're going to look at the reasons to be confident and the reasons to be concerned ahead of this year's title race and we'll also preview Saturday's opener against Norwich. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So we've got a lot to get through this week um, as it's our season preview show. But before we kind of start talking about the, the title race ahead, I wanted to touch on the the friendlies that took place at Anfield at the start of last week because um, myself and Dan were both able to attend, attend one of them. I went to the the Bilbao game on the Sunday and and Dan you went to the uh the game on the Monday so I guess just as kind of a start question what was it like to be you know back inside the stadium what was your kind of experience on match day? Oh um I can't lie to you it was um it was half emotional to be fair um I kind of expected it um if I'm honest not being since the Madrid game um I kind of expected to get not fully emotional, but a little bit, you know, goosebumpily, if you like, and a little bit um, nostalgic about all the good nights that have been there and stuff. It was really nice. Um, I fortunately didn't have any of the troubles that went on the day before with the um, getting into the stadium. I got there dead early, kind of preempting that might happen again. And obviously, there's a 15 minute delay to kick off. Um, I spoke to some people in the ground who got in a bit later and said it was a nightmare getting in. So, I have managed to avoid that, but just generally being back inside Anfield and, you know, you'll never walk alone. And even though it wasn't a full, full house, it was pretty damn close. And yeah, it, it was brilliant. It was special, to be honest. Yeah. When you looked around the ground, you know, it effectively looked full. You could only kind of see, you know, empty seats here and there, really. Um, I guess the moment that stood out for me was actually something that happened before the game on the Sunday when the players came out to warm up and the whole mm. most of the stadium was in by that point, even with you know the delay kickoff. So, you know, you've got probably around 35,000 people, you know, doing the uh, Virgil van Dijk song. And it was yeah. just like a really, you know, genuine moment because obviously everyone's so delighted to to have him back. And I, I like to think that he would have, you know, found that quite a emotional experience as well. Um given, you know, how frustrating and difficult it must have been for him the past sort of 12 months or so but anyway our guest this week is Stephen Scragg who's a senior writer at these footy times and has also written for the Guardian the Athletic and this is Anfield Stephen you explained to us um before we started recording that you gave those friendlies a bit of a wide berth perhaps wisely um given the disruption that went on so I guess I'll ask you what your most Looking forward to ahead of the new season, which obviously starts this weekend. Uh, I just think it's a bit of normality. It's a bit of you know football returning. You know, I, I was at the Palace game at the end of last season, and you know, as, as nice as that was, and the fact that you know we we, we qualified for the Champions League, all all great. But you know, there's this artificial sense of of football that went on. You know, it it felt like football, but not quite. There were, there were snapshots of it. You know, there's no way you could sit there and, and watch Alison Becker score a, an injury time winner and not, you know, kind of like 
just just feel it, you know. And I think that's the thing for me for football. Football is all about the the sensory aspect of it and the, the feel of it and, and and everything that's involved in a match day experience. And you know, it, it was almost like the Palace game was like going through customs to get in. Uh, you know, the, it felt like bag searches. I actually, took my passport as a, as a you know photo evidence to be able to get in and stuff like that. It, it was nuts, and I, I, I just. I mean, I'm probably a bit notorious in in the fact that you know preseason, I'm quite you know I switch off from it. You know whether that's kind of like people complain about us not signing players, or you know preseason games that don't really matter. I, th- I think for me, it never always used to be that way. But you know, I think there's the lack of the local games and stuff like that, and stretching out to a game or two. You know, the years gone by, games at Wrexham and Chester. And, you know, even down to Swindon a couple of seasons ago, you know, the, the crew many times over. And, you know, the, the, there'd always be a wonderful kind of feel to a, a pre-season friendly. But, you know, nowadays it, it it's either, I don't know, we get these couple of, of stellar games at Anfield, but, you know, it, even, even pre-season feels a bit polished now. And I, I, I preferred the rough edges. So, yeah, I, I've kind of fallen out with pre-season. Um, but as far as the new season is concerned, yeah, it's just being back in the ground and, and you know, it, it, it bubbling and bouncing and whether, you know, and taking the rough of the smooth and just just having football back. Oh, that's what I'm looking forward to. I think normality is, is the key word. The sort of child, childlike butterflies I've got on the eve of a new season kind of taking me back to, you know, those that kind of yearly experience growing up, I think is, you know, it's, the excitement levels are just quite a bit higher this year compared to last, given that, you know, the fans are inside the stadiums. It's a totally different spectacle, really. So let's turn our attention to the new season. What I'm going to do is ask really a pretty basic question of, of Dan and, and Stephen, and I'll give my own view as well. And then we're going to kind of discuss uh, why we've ordered the teams this way. So let's start with you, Dan. I'd like a prediction on where Liverpool are going to finish uh, this season. It's a weird one, really, with me, because you won't be surprised to hear I'm, I'm ultra-positive now on the eve of the season. Um, but that wasn't necessarily the case a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've grown... I think going the game on Monday has probably helped my positivity a little bit. For all the reasons you spoke about with fans being back and a bit of normality and, and what have you, and the excitement of it all. Um, so, yeah, I am going to predict that we'll finish... If I, I think we'll win the league, if I'm honest. Um, I just, I think we're being written off and I think people should do that at, at the peril a little bit. And I think we're going to go into the details in a second, but I do believe we've still got enough to win this Premier League at our best, which we weren't last season. So, I, yeah, I'm going to say we're going to, we're going to do it like... Well, expected nothing less and uh, we definitely <laughs> welcome on to the, the possibility that Liverpool are being underestimated so same question to you Stephen levels of optimism where do you think Liverpool are going to finish this season oh you've got to go for champions you know uh, we've done it once and the trick is now to do it again um, you know we, we've, we've got a, a squad of players there who know what it takes and you know they'll go into it as, as with no strain as no strangers to it so I, I think they should they, they should kind of like be bold and aim high uh, and and that goes for the supporters as well. 
you know, I'm I'm not a particularly glass half, glass half full kind of fella, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm going for the top. As a supporter, like going into a new season, it's almost like be as optimistic as you can, um, because you know, I guess that's kind of just the joy of being a football fan is always hoping that kind of the next chapter is gonna, you know, deliver the reward. Having said that, I am going to offer kind of a counterbalance, I suppose, um, with my prediction. I've actually gone for third. And, you know, I'll be honest, it's partly because I always lean towards a cautious prediction and I'd rather be proved wrong in a good way. So it's kind of like an instinctive thing. Um, And also it's probably going to help the podcast as well to have the different perspectives, but on the one hand, we've got one of the best managers of the generation, without doubt. We've got a structure restored to the team, identity restored to the team. So we've got a very, very good chance um, and we're definitely going to be a factor in the title race. Um, but I guess the main concern that I have is that teams don't necessarily win titles. I think it's more that squads do. And when you look at the quality of this title race, it's going to come down to fine margins uh, for sure. And maybe it will be Liverpool's, in my opinion, inferior squad depth relative to City and Chelsea that lets us down. And there's still time to address that, of course. So obviously we can only give a prediction on the eve of the season, but there's still a few weeks to run in the window and there's a decent chance you think that Liverpool will do something. So let's, you know what, before we talk about depth, let's talk about the first eleven. And whether you'd still back Liverpool's first eleven, so Allison, Trent, and Dyke, take your pick of the other centre back: Robertson, Fabinho, Henderson, Thiago, Salah, Mane, and then Jota or Firmino. That eleven, do you back it against City and Chelsea? Still, given that they've, you know, spent. They've essentially both spent hundred million on on new players now, so Dan, I'll come to you first on that question. Yeah, I, I certainly do. To be honest with you, and um, uh, like I say, I know we're going to dig deeper into the squads, but I think we're underestimating our own squad depth a little bit, and it's something I've been quite critical of in recent times. Um, but when you really look on the face of it now, we obviously had a lot of problems last season. I think that's where a lot of Liverpool fans' pessimism's coming from. And rightly so. And not just Liverpool fans, like pundits are writing us off and, you know, bookmakers have got us third favourites and so on and so on. And I think that's on the back of what happened last year. But, you know, we know as Liverpool fans, having watched it play out every week, we were decimated by injuries, big ones and little ones. Like the little players that were missing week in, week out here and there. We had Thiago for three months, Jota, et cetera. So I just think, you know, you just named arguably our strongest 12, 13 players there. For me, that side, fully fit and firing, beats anyone in this league and, and probably anyone across Europe still. Um, we've got a lot of players there who are going to be hurt by what happened last season. Um, we've got the likes of Van Dijk, who's going to want to prove a point, perhaps more than ever. And he is still the best centre-half in the world. Um, and there's players such as Mane. I think he's going to be key because... By his own standards, he was way off the pace last year and he's essentially admitted that himself. So when you've got players of that ability who are hungry to prove the world wrong again and, and you know, 
fight for Liverpool and they've all come out and saying the right things this week, which you'd expect, but there seems to be a little bit more to it. There seems to be a real, let's prove them all along and let's show them what we're all about this season. And for me, as a supporter, that's kind of what, all we want. Um, and for me also, the quality in them players you just named is by far and away good enough to go and win this league. You know, the mad thing is, as I saw someone point out on Twitter today, because Adrian was in goal for the derby when we saw the Fabinho, Henderson, Thiago midfield, I think the only time that we did, um, because Adrian was in goal, we've not necessarily seen what might be our strongest team play together, not just for a sustained spell, just full stop, which is obviously a, pr- a pretty big deal. And I want to talk about the midfield specifically and, you know, most of all, Thiago. Um, he, his form at the end of last season was excellent. And, you know, a lot of people put that down to Fabinho being restored to the midfield and a semblance of structure coming back to the team. So I bring you on in on this, Stephen. How big a role, you've said that you are confident that Liverpool are going to win the title. How big a role will Thiago specifically, do you think, play in that? Uh, if we get the Thiago of the, the tail end of last season, it'll be absolutely massive. If we get the version of him from the first half of the season, then we'll need someone else to step up and you know uh, uh, and meet the challenge, really. Uh, but within that, you know, I'm I'm not one to turn my head out too much over injuries occurring. Um, I don't know. It's something that tends to be a bit more blunted now. Uh, well, I don't know. Looking back years ago, you when 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 a player did get injured, like like I was hard back to something like eighty seven, eighty eight when Ronnie Whelan got injured, and you know it just meant that it was an opportunity for Nigel Spackman. Uh, you know, there there is always a player that's waiting in the wings to step in, and, and I think given the amount of injuries we had last season they they coped you know remarkably well yes we were we were, we were on the ropes for a bit we were a bit punch drunk um just how much empty stadiums played a part in that you know we, we could only surmise um but within that you know going into this season the way he finished last season and you know he, he will he will as long as he can stay fit and that is that's, that is a pretty big if because he does have a track record of his his league games hovering around about the mid twenties, which you know if 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 he reverts to type, then you know we, we might end up missing him for 14, 15 games this season. Within that, it's who who steps in to to be Tiago when he's not there to be Tiago. Uh, that that could be one of the clinchers for it. But Fabino, you know, being being the uh, as the I don't know the 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 rock at the back, the the deep line midfielder that can stride forward as well when needs be, that will be massive. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how we cope without Wijnaldum. Uh, you know, it will be a very de- different demographic to that midfield. Uh, you know, can Keita put in the, se- the the season and performances that that we know he's capable of? The consistency of of just being there rather than the consistency of his football. Uh, you know, there'll, there'll be a lot of key elements. It won't just come down to one player. You know, uh, the, the the big thing about Klopp's Liverpool is just how much of it comes down to being about the collective. And we've been, uh, the, the great thing about that is that we've been able to move away from, uh, the, uh, not being blasphemous here, but the Stephen Gerrard version of Liverpool where so much was, was 
expected of him and so much responsibility lay on his shoulders to be this talismanic figure that would carry the team through. Um, we're not that Liverpool anymore. We're, we're, we're back to being all about the collective and it's the players that are available to be part of that collective that, that are the most important. Thiago will remain important as long as he's there to play and to be fit to play. And when he's not, it's how we deal with that and, and, and rolling the dice and coming up with a different a different set of numbers. You know, and, and Liverpool can do that because the shapeshift, that's the great thing about this Liverpool side. You know, we'll come to the question in a bit about, you know, preferred teams taking on Norwich, but, you know, sometime, I remember, I remember many times over the course of the title winning season, uh, having conversations out, outside Anfield prior to the match and saying, well, who, who's going to play? Who do you think will play? And I can remember many times turning around and saying, it doesn't matter who plays because as a collective, whoever it is, will come together to pull through for the result. Uh, you know, I, I've got a similar similar kind of feeling for the start of this season to the one that I have going into the title winning season. And, uh, you know, it, it won't just come down to one player. It, it, it's the collective that's important. I like that outlook and I think that kind of speaks to the kind of atmosphere Klopp's tried to, to foster in the camp. Um, you spoke about the midfield options there and, you know, who comes in if Thiago was to drop out of the side, for example. So let's let's talk about squad depth now. Um, and I suppose a natural starting point is the midfield. So I mentioned the likely first choice trio earlier. Um, that leaves Cater, Oxley, Chamberlain, Milner, Jones, and by the looks of it, Harvey Elliott as the rotation slash uh, backup options there. Let's focus most of all on Cater and Oxlade Chamberlain. Dan, I'm going to put my um, 14 year old hat on here, if that, if that makes sense. And I'm going to ask you is this Nabby season? <laughs> I didn't know you had a 14-year-old hat, I must admit. Um, I hope so. I think we all hope so, don't we? I'm the eternal optimist, as you know. Um, and that goes for Liverpool Football Club and its players. Um, and Cater falls into that category because I think he's got ability. I think there's a Liverpool player in there. Um, we've not seen it anywhere near enough. We've literally seen flashes of it, um, including in this pre-season. Um, and it goes for Oxley Chamberlain as well, if we're going to be honest. I think he's had longer periods of, of a high level while he's been in the club. But as for Cater, it's just far too many injuries. Um, and I think we're all almost waiting for it to happen again, aren't we? Like whether it be Saturday or the week after or the week after. Unfortunately, his record's that bad since he's been at the club that we are literally waiting for the next two-week absence. Um, having said all of that, I really hope not, because I think if we do get, you know, a, a good 90% of the season out of Cater, I don't think he's going to be first choice every week. You named the the first choice trio earlier, and I think that's right. Um, but having someone of the ability of Cater being able to drop in and out of that, whether it be from the bench or starting different games or whatever, whatever way, shape or form, it, it manifests itself. I think he's a top quality player who could produce a little bit of something different as well. Um bit more of a ball carrier than the other three and, you know, a spark of magic, uh, even goals here and there, which is something we have lacked from midfield before. So I really hope it comes good um, and it's probably now or never. I think 
the point you make about him being different is the key in a way, because I think genuinely, if he's consistently fit, he's a huge asset um, to the squad, really. But let's move on to the, the forward line. Stephen, you've already expressed confidence that if someone has to drop out of the side, you you know you've got quite a lot of faith in the backups. But let's play devil's advocate on that one. Then it looks like Shakiri's leaving. Um, one thing we haven't actually touched on in the podcast is that Shakiri and Phillips are both left out of the friendlies, um, pointing to the likelihood that you know the club's trying to protect them um, from injuries so they can get a move. So now that Shakiri's gone. Obviously, you have Firmino rotating with Jota, but other than that, you essentially have Minamino and Origi as the backups. Surely, given how they both kind of performed last season, that isn't good enough. Does that not make you concerned? Uh, no, not particularly. You know, Firmino, Salah, and, and Mane have done it all before. Yes, we'll lose two of them for the, for the African Cup of Nations. Uh, partway through the season, but even then, I think they only missed one or two two league games. Um, you know, uh, Jota. You know, every time he played last season, looked looked electric. You know, the from, from the limited amounts of, of preseason that have taken notice of, Firmino looks like Firmino all all of a sudden. Um, again, it, it's it's a situation where we can only put you know three players in into those positions. Uh, Minamino might come good, yeah. There's, there's no saying he won't. Uh, you know, Arigi you can kind of discount, uh, but we're already talking about kind of like putting three into four when you're adding Jota. Uh, you know, if Minamino can hit the ground running, then that's five into three. How many players do we actually need? You know, it's it's, it's the same as the midfield. You know, uh, stacking up. Yes, we've not got. Uh, Wijnaldum anymore, Lallana is a thing of the past. You now we had great, huge numbers, but you're looking at a kind of you know Curtis Jones is a year, you know further down the line, a year further experience. You know we have a central defence sat there now that looks stronger this time than it did twelve months ago. You know yet people are complaining about the the, the size and the and the strength of the squad. Now I'm I'm looking at certain positions and thinking it actually look you know, what do we look like now compared to 12 months ago, you know it, so yes it's the degree of shifting the seats and and you know shuffling the deck chairs around, but you know within that you know we're still going into the into the season with a, with a strong squad that might yet be throwing additions to. Um, I'm not overly concerned. I'm not overly concerned. After going through last season and all of those injury problems and seeing what they still came out of the, at the end with, you know, I'm, I'm confident that a full-strength Liverpool, this this current Liverpool, without any additions, will go a long, long way. You know, it, It's not even a case of you know, looking at it as a 60-odd game season. Liverpool have, have become a club that completely writes off the domestic cups. You know, we are essentially going out to try and play a 51-game season, 38 games of the Premier League and what 13 games in the Champions League. That is the tunnelised focus. That's that's what we're going for. Uh, and if five into three doesn't doesn't kind of like fit, then you know I, I think people are barking up the wrong tree. You always want to try and improve on what you've got. Don't get me wrong. If if you know if we were to be able to to somehow find the money down the back of the sofa for Haaland, and then you know offset Minamino to somewhere else, then great. 
But, you know, if not, then you just deal with what you've got. And, and what we've got is not all that bad. Absolutely fair enough, I think. And the Jota signing was huge. You know, we should acknowledge that. And we'll talk a bit later on um, when we come to knowledge preview about whether he should be playing over for me now. I think with Minamino, it's difficult because the jury's almost kind of still out. I know he's played a decent amount of Premier League football now, but he did go to a Southampton side that was in the midst of a little bit of a nosedive. So I guess, you know, you can kind of reserve judgment on that. Um, but we still need to talk about a couple of other areas depth-wise. Um, Dan, I'll, I'm going to come to you on, on centre-backs because yeah. on paper, it looks like the centre-back depth is arguably the best, not only in the Premier League, but maybe even in Europe. Mm. But there's major uncertainty there fitness-wise, I think, with essentially with all four players. And there's a possibility Phillips could leave. So any worries there? Um, there obviously are concerns there, like you say, because you're right to point out the um, the fitness concerns and the fitness worries with those three players coming back. And Canarte's injury record that we spoke about previously on the pod isn't isn't superb, if we're going to be brutally honest about it. But again, you know, we can only hope and pray that they're being managed in the best possible way, which I'm sure they are. I've got absolutely no doubt about that. And no risks will be taken with any of them whatsoever. Um, and the fact there are four top quality centre backs should mean they're able to rotate quite nicely, certainly through these early weeks of the season. Um, I don't think there's any need to play, you know, Gomez and Van Dijk religiously, which might be something we've done in the past because Matip's been sidelined. And last season, it was almost like we were waiting for Matip to go down and, and be ruled out because he was being forced to play so much, which is not something he's done with any great level of success previously during his Liverpool career. Um, which is a shame because, for me, he's he's probably second choice in terms of ability behind Van Dijk, but his injury record just doesn't lend itself whatsoever to being a regular for, for Liverpool. Um, so I would say it is the best in the league on paper. Um, obviously, we have caveats this season. And also, obviously, it looks like Phillips will go. Um, we're not quite sure what's going to happen with Ben Davis yet, obviously. Um, there's rumours he might leave as well. But if you look at Reese Williams, I mean, I'm not expecting him to play much Premier League football whatsoever this season. But if he does remain at the club as fifth choice, and he's probably the most sensible one to stay in that role, given his age, um, I think he's a decent option for the cup games Stephen just mentioned. Um, stuff like that to give Van Dijk and Gomez and the others a bit more of a rest. I think Reese Williams saying the club's no bad thing. Um, and it just, like I say, helps keep the uh, the frontline lads fresh. You know, you mentioned having the four options. And I think a valid point here is whilst you don't want to be rotating centre backs frequently because it's probably the area of the team where you want to settle partnership, being able to say in the Champions League, for example, you could tweak the partnership there and that will help prevent injuries because, you know, you, you, less demands are being placed on the individual players. Um, the, the last thing I want to say on depth is something that I think has been maybe a little bit underestimated, um, you know, in my, in my opinion. And it's what if Trent gets injured? You know, the options that we have there are essentially Neko Williams, who... I don't think is is up to standard, if I'm going to be brutally honest. Um, I just think there's a slight rabbit in headlights there about him. You know, when it was 
talked about earlier in the summer that we might be able to get 10 million for him. I was like, that would be a bit of a steal. It looks like he's going to stay. Other options, Joe Gomez. If you put him there, you're going to get a very solid shift defensively, but contribute, I mean, honestly, next to nothing going forward. Um, Milner can play there as well. Again, how much is he going to offer, given that you know when we have Trent, he's essentially the, the main playmaker in the side. Um, and to talk about some academy players as well, but they're not really going to be ready. So that's uh, another concern that I have, which in an ideal world, we'd hopefully be able to address in the window. Um, but I think the the forward line and midfield will be the priorities if, if we do do something. But let's move on from that now and address the issue of whether Liverpool are being underestimated. I'm not necessarily the person to be asking this question, given that I um, I did put us third in the table, but I don't know if you lads saw, but there was a, an article um, earlier today from BBC Sports, like a yearly thing they do. So they had their 20 pundits predict the table, 20 former footballers, and not one of them had us top, and only three, three of them had us in second. So that, you know, I think that's a, a drop-off from the last couple of years. So I'll come to you first on this one, Stephen. Do you think people have forgotten after last season when we were essentially unrecognisable I think they've forgotten how, how good we are, how good we can be I think they're, they're just playing the percentages, you know, they're looking at who has gone out and spent big, I mean Man City are the reigning champions so you know they're always going to come into people's minds, you know, Chelsea won the Champions League so I get it, you know I totally get where people are coming from and saying that it will be them that win it uh, yet, you know, there's always there's always subtleties involved. You know, Chelsea is still managed by uh, Thomas Tuchel, who has no serious track record of leading teams to domestic league champions championships. Never managed it in his homeland. Uh, you know, I'd be I'd be as as unsurprised as I don't know Chelsea. I'd, I'd probably be more surprised if if he ends this season as Chelsea's manager than I would be by them winning the title. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be far more surprised, given Abramovich's track record for hiring and firing, I'd, I'd be far more, have far more expectancy in him losing his job than winning the title, to be honest. Uh, Man City, only once have they ever retained a league title, you know, through, throughout their entire history, and that was the season that we pushed them to the, to the absolute outer limits to do it. Um, you know, they've made many changes. Have they got one too many in, in signing Jack Grealish? You know, too many conductors in that squad now. Uh, Foden's missing for the first month and that'll be a blow for them. Um, so, you know, they've they've got to adapt. Yes, they've got a big squad, huge checkbook, but they've still got to get the right, the right chemistry, you know. And, and that's the thing for us is that, you know, a lot of what we will go into the season with is, is very familiar to ourselves. Uh, you know, well, a set of players that uh, will, I don't know, offer no surprises to one another, and and that's one of the biggest strengths that we'll possibly have going into this new season. So you know, yeah, people are underestimating us, but I get I get why. But I said earlier on, we've been the distance now. You know, we know how to win a Premier League title, and and they can go out there and do it again. I don't see I don't see why not. Um, within that, I think. 
that BBC thing, it looked to me like they weren't, you know, I, I don't think one of them picked Manchester United to finish in the top two, for instance. So, you know, I think people still see us as the most viable out of the rest to, to, to challenge and to succeed. Um, so, yeah, you know, let, let people underestimate us. I think the big thing for Liverpool is that, you know, just how well we ended last season. And, and there was a serious bounce at the end of last season, despite everything, despite all the injuries, the empty stadiums, you know, the, the character and the, I don't know, the belief that was flowing through Liverpool at the, at the very, very end. Uh, you know, the, there's a certain sense of bounce and you use certain things as, as a, a springboard to move on to the next. And, you know, I, th- I think we'll look back on, on daft stuff like like Allison scoring that winner at West Brom, just one of the most goalkeepers score goals from time to time, you know, but they don't score winning goals. It tends to be an equaliser to to you know to turn a defeat into a point. You know, goalkeepers don't win matches, but there he was. They do by saving stuff, but you know, not by scoring goals. And and for me, I I think that will kind of like carry us a long way into the new season. You know, the, the, there is a kind of it, it, these these occurrences they bring like a feel good factor and there was a wave of, of of to be rode by them, you know a big impact moment can carry for kind of like five six games, uh, you know and that's what Liverpool will you know succeed on this season should they succeed that's what they will succeed on a series of, of feel good moments that sustain the next half dozen games and so on and so forth. You know, Liverpool are a very emotional team, and they and they ride off the the you know the the feeling of it. You know, there's there's this wonderful kind of crackling aura about Liverpool that just doesn't seem to exist for other clubs. I could be wrong in that, but I, I don't feel it the way that it does with Liverpool. And that's easy to say that as a Liverpool supporter, that is very easy to say. But I, I think opposing teams kind of buy into that as well. They, they believe that. They believe that there's something that little bit different about Liverpool. There's this little magical aura that kicks in and that's what Liverpool will thrive upon. And yes, you know, something as such as being, being underestimated at the start of the season, that can be just as much of a, a six-game boost as anything else. Yeah, you'd almost rather be underestimated, wouldn't you, than, you know, having everyone almost applying extra pressure by... You would, but I also think that Liverpool aren't particularly self-conscious football. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have to have the, you know, the 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 thumbs up from other people. You know, they don't yeah. they don't have to have that kind of, you know, validation. You know, they're, they're not needy enough to to need to to require that. Liverpool will just do what Liverpool will do, and you know, we'll end where. You know, we, we will end up where our endeavour takes us. You know, that, that's what it will be. And if and if our heart's big enough for it, we've certainly got the, te- the tactical acumen and, and the right man on the touchline. Uh, and he's 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 the you know he, he's got it all off to a tee. You know, uh, and and this this is a Liverpool that that can turn back the clock, you know, tw- twenty four months and, and go again. And I'll give you a quick word on that one. Yeah, about Liverpool yeah. being yeah. underestimated. Yeah, 100%. I think we are being, and I just want to echo everything Steve said, I think really important to touch on what happened last season, the back end of. I think they'll thrive off that, and I think it was huge for, obviously, Champions League reasons, but I think morale reasons as well. Um, And I think the main reason we can go again this season and win it, if not go really close, I think 
Jurgen Klopp's a key factor in that. But I do believe we'll do a little bit of business between now and the end of the window. Um, replacing Origi is probably the most important factor in my eyes. Um, but at the same time, I do think people are underestimating us, the power that Liverpool have got, and our squad depth. Yeah, I think we are, as much as we did dwell on depth quite a lot for reasons I've stated, we aren't too far from having what I would call a, a complete squad. Well, let's move on now to a specific focus on the Norwich game at half five on Saturday. Obviously, the first game of the season. We're going to begin uh, with our preferred lineups. If you listened last season, you know that this is how we tend to do it when we look ahead to a game. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get Dan and and Stephen to read out the the teams that they've got, and then we're going to we're going to discuss them and discuss kind of the main selection dilemmas, I suppose. So, Dan, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so um, it should be a little bit easier this season than last season, hopefully. Um, I've got Alisson in goal, uh, Trent at right back. Um, I've gone with Canate and Matip, um, which we'll probably discuss in a minute. I've got Tamikas at left back for obvious reasons. Uh, I've gone for midfield of Fabinho, Milner and Naby Keita. Um, and I've gone for Salah, Firmino and Mane as a front three. Um, the front three, I think it would be easy to pick Jota instead of Firmino, but I think, like Stephen alluded to, Firmino has been outstanding in pre-season. Um, and I still believe he is the go-to as part of that front three as opposed to Jota right now. I think that changed at times last season, but I think at his best, Firmino still has a place in the centre of that three. I've got my own views on that subject, but... Before we get to that, Stephen, what lineup have you gone with? Um, I'm going for Allison, Trent, Simicas, um, Matip, and Canate. Keita, Fabino, Tiago, Mane, Salah, and Firmino. Okay, interesting. A little bit of variation from Dan's then. So what I've gone with is obviously Alisson in goal. I've gone for the same back four as both of you with uh, Matip and, and Kanate and obviously Simakas filling in. Uh, midfield, I've gone with Fabinho, Milner and Keita. Um, so same as Dan. And then front line, I've gone for Jota instead of Firmino. So there's a lot to unpack um, this time. And I suppose we should start with the the centre of defence. Obviously, Jürgen Klopp spoke this morning and said that essentially Van Dijk and, and Gomez are available if needed to play. Uh, Stephen, why do you think it's it would be best to to wait on those two? Whether it's best or not, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be adverse to seeing Van Dyke thrown straight in. Uh, you know, you, you, you've just got to go for it, you know, sometimes. And, and, you know, that sense of wrapping a player in cotton wool isn't always the right thing to do. Um, so, you know, I am not against him starting at all. I just, I just think given the amount of time that he's missed, and, you know, the, the minutes that he's, he's built up and played over pre-season, you know, I still think that he just needs that bit more time. But, you know, when it comes to, to Van Dijk, it's got to be a case of him needing to build up his match 
fitness, his, his match sharpness, and, and to do that's by playing. So, you know, it, it wouldn't be a, you know, a, such a surprise to see him start. I just think maybe it's a week early, maybe saving for the following week, first, first, uh, the first day at Anfield and, uh, and go for it there. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously you've, you know, you're not really the, the biggest fan of, of pre-season. That, that's absolutely fair enough. But like when I've been watching it, Van Dijk just looks a little bit on the sluggish side to me. Um, obviously, that's completely understandable. Um, and I think it's been most noticeable when you're seeing players kind of running at him. Um, you know, you can tell that is, you know, he's not quite back up to the level and nor should he be really the stage he's at. I think Gomez looks a little bit further along. But yeah, I'd be going with Matip and Kanate because even though they've never played together before um, in a competitive game, at least, and Kanate has not played in the Prem, I just think that is probably our safest bet, um, despite being you know a slight risk in itself. But let's move over to the left-hand side of the defence. Um, we talk about Simakastan. We actually had a, an episode quite a while back now called Cost Last Time. Um, when we were talking about post Champions League rotation, that would have actually been a, probably a better title for for this specific episode. How confident are you feeling in him? Obviously, the Robertson injury was a real, you know, kicking the balls in that last uh, on the penultimate preseason game. Yeah, of course it was. I think losing a player like Robertson at any time is a, is a huge blow, especially someone who's been so consistent and, and so available as well. Like we always spoke about, why now the durability and constant availability but Robertson's been on par with you'd have to say and um, but in terms of uh, Simicast I think he's he hasn't proven he's ready to go in pre-season because you know we all know we've been playing some 30 minute games against relatively poor opposition and then we've stepped it up this week and he's looked good he has he's looked he's looked decent to be fair to him and um, I'd have liked to see a little bit more of him last season to feel slightly more confident if I'm deadly honest Um but having said that, you know, knowledge away isn't the worst possible baptism of fire, if you like, in the Premier League um, to be starting from. So, yeah, I think he'll do enough. And I think he's got all the attributes of Robertson. He likes to get forward. His delivery has actually been exceptional during pre-season, in fairness. So I don't think we'll lose too much. Um, it'll probably be similar to the, what you mentioned with Nico Williams earlier. Um, my probably main concern will be potentially defending one-on-one moments, something we haven't really had to see him do yet. Um, hopefully we don't see it this weekend, but with Chelsea on the horizon, that could be a, a bit of a worry. But yeah, I think Simicast has been probably the outstanding player in, in pre-season. Um, and I think, as you alluded to, Dan, his attack and contribution was what stood out the most. I think there's slight question marks as in defensively from the limited glimpses that we've had. But I'd argue that in terms of the function of the team, it's more important how effective he is going forward and the signs are are good on that front. Moving on to the midfield, though, none of us have put Harvey Elias in our teams and it did surprise me that there was calls for him to feature, you know, I, even though he was absolutely outstanding in that game against against Bilbao at Anfield, nearly scored, scored an absolute world of a solo goal as well. I did wonder if he was going to feature in, in one of the three teams. He hasn't. I'm going to come back to you on this one, Dan. Do you think it's just a case of being too soon? And how, how would you feel if Klopp, you know, sort of had that punt and just threw Elias into the starting lineup? Yeah, to be honest, I'd be I'd be more than okay with it. Um, I think he's been brilliant in pre-season. Um, 
probably stood out to me in terms of attacking players more than anybody, to be honest. I think that season away at Blackburn has done in the world of good. Um, where we've seen him prior to that, he looks like he was. He looked like a, a teenager, you know, trying to cut it with decent technique and decent bit of skill. But he suddenly looks like he's really grown into himself and his confidence is just through the roof. Um, so it wouldn't bother me if he did start. I think the reason I've kept him out of my lineup is because I'd like to see him drip fed into the side to begin with. Um, similar to what we did with Curtis Jones some time ago. I actually think Elliot's got a little bit more than Curtis Jones, if I'm going to be brutally honest. Um, but I'd like to see him drip fed into the side. And I think he's a player who could really impact games um, late on. And I think the best way to do that is to have him on for the last 20 minutes as opposed to the prior 70. Yeah, I'd say it's just a little bit too soon. And when I say too soon, you know, the comeback that springs to mind is like, oh, well, when you've got a special talent on your hands, you accelerate the process and it's kind of no such thing as too soon. But, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with you there in terms of easing them in. You've already spoken about why you go with Firmino for this game. I've obviously said, Jota, you went with Firmino as well, Stephen. Why is it that you've that you've gone for him over, over Diogo? Um, it is literally just seeing that enjoyment of football again. And, you know, he, he looks like the Firmino of three years ago or so. Suddenly, you know, the, the, the weight of the world is off his shoulders. And, you know, you, you can't not play him when he's, when he's in that kind of, when, he, when he's got that kind of appetite for the ball, and that kind of appetite for football. He's just so unique in what he does. You know, uh, I get I get when people he, he's in the blind side for for some people in the blind spot, um, totally totally get it, and he can be massively frustrated when when he's not on on top of his form. But you know, within that, when he's when he's firing, he is he, just the the most incredible player to watch. You know, he facilitates so much the way he will drop deep for the ball as well. You know, he's, he's unselfish. He will fight for the ball. He will come back into midfield and, and, and hunt it down. You know, he, he's, he's not a player to, to, to lose his, I don't know, his will for, for football. Mane will lose his will for football sometimes, you know, when, and I love Mane. You know, I absolutely, absolutely adore him as a footballer. But there's a player that, I don't know, he can't really function very well when his confidence is low. You know, I can remember games last season where he, when he was just walking out onto the pitch, he was walking out onto the pitch at the start of some games with his shoulders slumped. And this is when he was out of form and, and that, the, the body language was was just all over the place. And and you never quite get that with Firmino. You know, when it's not quite going, he'll still, he'll still put himself into all of those same positions and, and do the same flicks and, and try and open that 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 defense. Uh, and I just think he's he's just a I don't know, he, he just has that ability to be able to I don't know, see that he sees things that other players don't, you know, and, and I'd include Salah in that. They're all very unique. They're all, you know, with with a, with a personality of football all of their own. You know, none of them are identical footballers. You know, and, and I put Jota into that, and it wouldn't bother me in the slightest if Jota starts in the game on Saturday because you know, again, it's another wonderful football player. And this is where I go back to what I was saying earlier on in saying when you've got three positions and you've got four very good players fighting out for it, you know, and potentially a fifth in Minamino or or a new addition, then 
you know, you are always going to have that one or two odd men out. Uh, you know, for me, I, I think Firmino needs to be playing kind of like eight out of ten games. You know, uh, I, I, I'll always stand by that. You know, there's something much more, I don't know, esoteric about Liverpool when he's on the pitch than when he's not. Eight out of ten, wow. I think there's no denying that as a creative force, Firmino is a, a lot more effective and as a facilitator as well. You know, the reason that I go for Jota is because I think overall it comes down to Liverpool's goal threat and I think it's considerably greater when Jota's on the pitch because even though as a facilitator he isn't as strong, I think that his goal threat is, you know, far exceeds that for me. You know, I think we just pose more of a threat um, based on what I've seen so far. But now that we've dealt with the lineups, and obviously we've seen that there's actually on the back of the injury crisis last season, now that we've got a, a near full, fully fit squad aside from Jones and, and Robertson, we've seen that there's actually quite a lot of scope for good teams. So probably wouldn't be too bothered if we didn't get exactly the, the lineups that we set out. But let's kind of move, move on and then finish with some predictions. So, Dan, I'll come to you first. Some thoughts on, you know, what you're expecting from Norwich and what you think the, the score is going to be. Yeah, um, I'm expecting Norwich to be a good football inside, but I always am. Um, obviously, they've come up with a hell of a lot of confidence. Um, came up as champions, you know, pretty pretty comfortably in the end as well, in fairness to them. Um, having been... Rather humbled, I'd say. To be fair, he stuck to the guns. Uh, Daniel Farker's a man of principle by the looks of it, and he likes his teams to play a certain way. It got them a win against Man City, but it also got them relegated relatively relatively easily in the end. So I, I think they'll play the same way, but I just think that plays so far into Liverpool's hands, it's untrue, if I'm honest. Um, so I'm predicting a relatively straightforward victory, I think, as much as an opening day against the promoted side can be straightforward. Um, and I'd say a Liverpool 2-0 win, um, get us off the block nicely. Hopefully nothing bad happens in, in the way of injuries. Remember Allison getting injured against Norwich first game of the season a couple of seasons ago. Um, but yeah, 2-0 and pretty straightforward, I think. Well, we'd all absolutely take a, a nice straightforward start like that. Stephen, what score have you gone for? Uh, I'm going 3-0. Um, potentially 3-1 just to give them a goal, you know, a goal start. Uh, for me, yeah, Farker, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of respect for his his way of thinking and his, his style of football. Uh, I just don't think he's particularly got it in him to be pragmatic. And if you can't be pragmatic against Klopp's Liverpool, then you're probably on a hand to nothing. Um, they're also quite within our sweet spot, usually. Uh, you, you just get those clubs sometimes where, you know, you, you just so look forward to playing them because, you know, it's usually amounting of goals and some some really great football being being turned on. Uh, I'm just hoping that it, uh, it ties into that stereotype that we've come to enjoy over the last decade or so when it comes to playing knowledge. It's a bit of a litmus test, this game for them, isn't it? In the sense that how, you know, expansive are they going to be when they're, you know, maybe going up against the top sides. I think, you know, my view of them is that good manager, like you both said, some really talented young players. Mm. They've got, um, you know, obviously the likes of Campwell, Billy Gilmore, I know from Chelsea. Yeah. Also, Max Aaron's Ma- is a good player. Max Aaron's. Although I, I was hesitant to say him because I was listening to a podcast earlier and apparently it's, you're supposed to pronounce it Aaron's now. Oh, um, really? 
yeah so <laughs> something to bear in I was mind impressed but... with it. I, I was impressed with Norwich um, I just want to say I think you're dead right they will be pragmatic and I think they play some good football at Anfield that opening day I alluded to they but did, yeah. look, look what happens with 4-1 and that's what will happen to them if they continue to play the same way to be fair everyone remembers that one but let's not forget when they were I, I suppose maybe the pressure was off because they were effectively down at this point but it was only 1-0 we scored fairly late yeah. on when we went to Carroll Road that season. But yeah, I think they've got it's a it's a decent looking team. They've recruited well. I've got a look at the defence and it doesn't look particularly strong to me, um, on paper at least. I you know, I don't follow the championship, but in terms of a score prediction, I've got this really bizarre inkling that we're gonna go behind in the game. Um I don't ask me to explain why, just a feeling that I've got. But then I think we'll we'll claw it back for for a two one um bit of early season stress, but the three points anyway. Um, so a full house of, of victories to start off with, albeit with, with varying difficulty. Um, so that's all we pretty much had to discuss. Before we go, Stephen, we always give our guests the opportunity to plug any work that they might want the listeners to have a look at. So kind of the floor is yours. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yes, you can find me at these football times and uh, this is Anfield. Uh, these football times, most you know, we do online and in print. We do our bi-monthly magazines. Uh, so yeah, you can find me there. I've also got a couple of books out: a tournament frozen in time, all about the European Cup winners' cup, uh, where the cool kids hung out, which was about the old UEFA Cup as was the the, the two-legged final era. And uh, and in October, completing the trilogy, there is one on the European Cup which is called the, the Undisputed Champions of Europe. Uh, and they're all about the, the golden days of European football. Brilliant. Well, I'll drop the relevant links in the episode description. Any final thoughts, Dan? No, just a thanks to Steve for coming on, obviously. Um, and it was good to have somebody of an equal positivity to, uh, to bounce off this week. Because normally I'm uh, ploughing a lone furrow when it comes to positivity on here. But yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's good, um, and I'm just looking forward to the season getting underway for all the reasons we spoke about. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Thanks, Dan. Good man. Right, well, we'll be back at the end of next week, um, and we'll be looking ahead then to Liverpool's first home game season against Burnley, but that's all we've got time for for now. <laughs>